The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. Everybody. This is BGN Radio episode number Brandon, 130. 130. I'm Jimmy Kemsky. He's Brandon Lee Gowden of BleedingGreenNation.com. Brandon, how are you, first of all? And secondly, have you watched Billy Madison yet? Jimmy, for the first time that you're hearing today, yes, I did watch Billy Madison for the first time ever. Congratulations, my friend. It's a how big deal. It? Everyone can stop ripping me on Twitter now for never, <laughs> and BGN in the comments for. Uh, because I got, you got it there, too. Did you get a lot of heat for it? I did. And uh, that's fair. <laughs> I can take it. But uh, I, I watched it now. so It's well-deserved. Got to back off. I thought it was, you know, it's funny. It's uh, <laughs> I'm not, like, the biggest Sandler guy. Not to say, like, I hate him or anything. But it's just, like, he's never been, like, the guy that I go to for my main comedy source. Uh, but it was good. It was funny. A lot of different big-named actors in there that I guess I just didn't expect to see. Like, Steve Buscemi. And uh, Norm Macdonald, Chris Farley, just like a lot of guys, yeah. like a lot of big time people. So it was cool. It was fun. And it, yeah, it wasn't too bad. It's like 90 minutes. It's kind of like the uh, 90s version of, uh, I would say, like Anchorman, where like the first time you watch it, you're okay. Like, okay, that's fine. Billy Madison's movie, like I watched like 50 times at least. And same thing with Anchorman, too. And it's just for whatever reason, for as dumb as, as they are, they get funnier and funnier to me, like, you know, every time I watch them subsequently, if that makes I think any it's sense. A m- movie that ages well in the sense of like like youtube like there's so many moments from that movie that are like good YouTube. yeah very quotable yes for sure yeah yeah so i'm gonna give you a quick billy madison quiz because okay the only reason we found this out was because during our uh listener q a session somebody asked uh and i'll and i'll now ask this question again but they asked who would steal 30 bags of lunches and that you didn't know the- <laughs> that is ding. That is correct. So and you were like, "What? What does that mean?" <laughs> well, I, I figure sometimes you get these questions from people where they just don't make any sense. You don't know if you're getting something. You don't know if you're getting bofed or not, or something like that. Right? Yeah, I'm, I'm expecting something treacherous <laughs> here. All right, number two is suntan lotion good for you, and why, or why not? I mean, that was in the beginning. I can't remember this clearly. <laughs> Because I watched this right before, like, the Eagles press conferences happened. That okay. part. I watched, like, the beginning part. Yeah. I just remember him putting it on himself. I don't remember this specific quote here. Okay. Well, is it good for you? And why um, or why not? I can't remember. Well, I mean, just use logic. He was putting it on himself, right? It is good. Yeah. Okay. So it's good. And why? Put it on the stomach. Yeah. Why is it good? Uh, I mean, it protects you from the sun. <laughs> yes. More specifically, the sun tries to burn me, but you won't let it. Will okay. Ya? All right. Number three. Old Man Clemens hates what? I don't remember who, Old Man Clemens. I don't know. Old Man Clemens hates poop, Brandon. He oh, hates, that guy. He hates I'm, poop. I'm not great with names. Like, <laughs> I, I need to, like, like see their names and, like, text or something. Like, I don't, like, names don't stick with me like that. Like, you're going to have to watch it again before the next episode now. And we'll, clearly. We'll circle back with the, the, with the new batch of trivia questions. I'm like the the Billy Madison where I actually have to go back to, to, to school that's, except that's, instead that's of school right. to watching the movie. That's right. That's right. Now that everyone stopped listening. Uh, Jimmy, we have so many small we do. things. Yeah, no real big news this past week, but yeah. a ton of like little things because we've had 
some COVID news. We've had some roster moves. We've had like other team roster moves. And we've had uh, some media access over the last week with players and, and uh, assistant coaches and whatnot. So let's get to the COVID news first. First of all, being that Marquise Goodwin has opted out for the 2020 season. What are your thoughts on that? Big deal? Not a big deal? I mean, it's not a big deal, but like, is it something that matters really? I mean, I think it matters for him, and I think people should really lay off him. All these people who are apparently telling him that he's stupid. To oh, I didn't realize that was happening. Yeah, I mean, he, he tweeted about that, Jimmy, and I saw some of that. Not a lot of it, but some of it on Twitter or in the BGN comments it's as despicable. well. despicable. Yeah, like, what are you doing? And I'll, <laughs> just listen to his explanation. Like, he gave a, a video explanation of why he did this. He's had three mis- or his wife, I should say, him and his wife together. They've had three miscarriages uh, in the past couple of years here. He wants to keep his family safe. There is no reason for him to like to not opt out if he if he thinks this is the best option. Like what? So I mean that should be obvious. I shouldn't even need to to go into that. Yeah. But uh, just wanted to say that obviously it's the right decision for him if he feels like that. And I think it is significant from a team perspective because even if he wasn't necessarily a lock to make the roster, I think there's a pretty good chance he could have. And I also think that he was insurance if. Either, or kind of like an and or here. So he provided insurance in the, in the event that Deshaun Jackson gets hurt again. And also, if Jalen Rager isn't ready to play right away and isn't ready to make an instant impact. Like he's, he's insurance for that. And that's what the Eagles didn't have last year when Deshaun got hurt. And he could have been that. They had Rager already when they made that trade because they traded for him. It was on day three, right? Like I know it was, Correct. It was involved in day three trade, but they it was on it was on that third day. So yes. it, I think it just kind of, as far as like whether they'll replace him or not, I think it kind of depends on what their mindset was when they got him. Like, did that just become an opportunity for them? They, they said, okay, we'll take a flyer on him. Or did they specifically target like a veteran deep threat who could back up Deshaun and Goodwin was who they just eventually kind of landed on? Uh, if it's the latter, then I think that, you know, it's still in play that they could, you know, sign a, a different guy like that. Maybe like a Taylor Gabriel. Yeah, something like that. But I don't know what I don't know what their mindset was on that. I don't have any info on that one. I mean, I know like Goodwin wasn't like the expectations for him shouldn't be big. And but it kind of just like, okay, what did you really add a receiver this offseason now? <laughs> yeah. It's it's Jalen Rager and Quez Watkins and John Hightower. Like, that's really it. Like yeah, so, those are the new guys. So take Deshaun who is very injury prone and Alshon uh, who is currently injured take them out of the picture and how many receiving I don't know the exact number but I can look it up if, if need be but if you just get in the ballpark that's good enough I know like what range it's in how many receiving yards does the rest of the roster have at the receiver position combined is it even 500 does it's, it even it, make it to 500 yeah it's over 500 but it's under 600 it's it's 600 something Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to say 600 and nine. It's 600 something. I don't know the exact number, but it is 600 okay. something. So they have, it's like, it was like 50 catches or something like that. 52, I think, off the top of my head for 600 something yards. And I know it was two touchdowns of, mm-hmm. for like, so like Deshaun goes down and Alshon is still out. That's the experience that the Eagles have at the receiver position. Now, I mean, some of the guys that they have are like kind of intriguing where you got Jalen Rager, of course, who's your first round pick and you expect him to contribute immediately anyway. And then Hightower, who's got speed, and Quest Watkins, who also has speed. So, like, you know, it's not like there isn't something that could possibly be there, but mm-hmm. they don't have anything, really, in terms of, you know, uh, tried-and-true talent at the receiver position. And, and this is also one year after the Eagles pretty much kind of missed on the only, like, they, they picked the only wide receiver, rookie wide receiver from last year who didn't actually kind of look good. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, out of the big ones. And... Just historically, Howie Roseman obviously hasn't been great at evaluating the wide receiver position. So it's just kind of interesting to me when you kind of look at those realities and kind of the mindset somewhere seems to be like, oh, well, they have young guys. It'll work out. They're intriguing. It's fine. Like, it might not be. Yeah. I mean, who knows? I mean, yeah, you're right. Like, the the wide receiver uh, history in the draft has not been kind to the Eagles, obviously. What was what was uh, JJ like this? Was he the sixth receiver taken in that draft? He's around there. I think he was, you know, in the range of like 15th in terms of uh, rookie receptions, yards. Uh, mm-hmm. And a lot of guys had more touchdowns. He only had one touchdown last year. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that, that was a big miss, especially because he got an opportunity to play a lot. I mean, they had so many injuries at the position. And, you know, you look at, I mean, we've already beaten JJ to death already. But in that 
playoff game, you got three guys who were literally added to the season, mid-season from the practice squad, who got more <laughs> snaps than him in that playoff game. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it it's uh, it's not great if they if they have a few more injuries at that spot again, which is which is not not only possible but it's probable. Yeah, there was a weird narrative I felt like that kind of went around that like JJ didn't get playing time after he dropped that pass in the Detroit game. That's not true. He ended up playing like I think forty three percent of the snaps by the end of the season. Like he did play. He yeah, just didn't he, had, he had to. They didn't have a choice. <laughs> they had to play him. You just they, didn't notice him because he couldn't do anything. <laughs> right. Yeah, he didn't get many targets for sure. He, he did get more targets per, uh, than Mac, at least. <laughs> so kind of sticking with Seaver, you had mentioned Alshon. He went on, on the active slash PUP list, which means, as you broke him down before, Jimmy, here, that you know he's on that list for now. The Eagles can take him off of it and activate him at any point before week one, and then he would be ready to play. But given his injury situation, it Are seems likely... Well, because it seems likely that he will go on uh, probably reserve PUP. Oh, yeah, yeah. That so seems it's, like it's, that. it's likely that he'll begin the season on PUP, in which and case he has at to least stay on games. PUP for at least six games, yeah. And potentially longer. You know, it could go longer than that. Who knows? Yeah, like Mills went longer than the six weeks last year, right, if I recall? No, he actually oh, he did. He came off week seven. Weeks, okay. But he, he, I mean, he had also suffered a list frank or some kind of foot injury in October 2019. Right, earlier in the season than Alshon did. Yeah, and, and Alshon was December, mid-December 2019. So, yeah. also on wide receiver, I wanted to mention a lot of receiver stuff here, Jimmy. The Eagles are bringing in Jason Avant as a training camp intern mm-hmm. through the Bill Walsh Minority Program. Uh, I think that's a, a pretty good move. I think a, a move that fans like. I mean, I don't know that. It's not like, okay, Jason Avant's in here, wide receiver position fixed. But... I mean, that's the kind of guy who you would feel like they could benefit from. These young guys, a guy sure. who was, you know, he's not like this guy who just had crazy talent. Right. And was, he's like, he wasn't you know, big. do what I do. Yeah, he wasn't big and he wasn't fast. And he got he, he was able to get open in the league because he was a good route runner. He knew where he was supposed to be. You weren't going to get you weren't going to get much from him like in terms of like explosive plays. But he had great hands. He made, you know, sort of highlight reel catches for, on occasion. But yeah, he, he got the most out of the talent that he did have. And, and he was kind know, of like obviously... a, he was thought of like a, as like a locker room. I didn't really cover him long, but uh, he was mm-hmm. he was thought of as, as like a, a locker room leader in his time in Philly too. And they've had obviously coaching issues to say the least at the wide receiver yeah. position, considering they haven't returned the same guy in forever now. And you know you have Aaron Moorhead in here, the yep. new wide receiver coach, and uh, so why not bring Avant into like just basically you know do everything you can at <laughs> that position with those young guys and and maybe hope something works out there. Yeah, um, I so. think that's a good move. Staying on the going back to the COVID news uh, before we move off of that, uh, there's also news, of course, bigger news in my opinion, that uh, Lane Johnson, uh, mm. your starting right tackle, Nate Gary, probably, I mean, your number one linebacker, um, mm-hmm. and then Jordan Mailata, swing tackle, whatever you want to call him, uh, offensive tackle, were all placed on the COVID list. Is it the reserve slash COVID list? Whatever it is, but they're they're on the yes. COVID list. So they're all going to be out for at least two weeks. Lane tweeted, of course, that uh, it's funny that he was going back and forth with uh, Mike Florio <laughs> about him having that uh, that offensive line summit. And yes. uh, Florio pointing out that like people weren't wearing masks and stuff. And uh-huh. then Lane tweets out, as, uh, you know, basically that he's feeling fine. And he, was, he, he noted specifically that he got uh-huh. tested after that O-line summit, and it was negative. <laughs> so yep. he definitely did that with uh, Mike Florio in mind, in my opinion. But, uh, yes. yeah, those guys will be out for a little while. Your take on that. Well, it's also should be clear here, or we should be clear that, like, Gary yeah, and Mylotta right, right. haven't necessarily it. – te- it's unclear either way. We don't know for sure. Yes. I think what I saw on that was, like, Gary and Milata were also kind of working out with him at one point. So okay. maybe that's kind of why. Like, they kind of – you know, the Eagles knew they – Johnson has it, and they also, therefore, Gary and Milata were potentially exposed, so they just kind of want to be careful with them. Yeah. But the procedure for them will be easier to return, assuming they don't have it, you know, as long as they're asymptomatic and keep, you know, doing well with everything. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's it's scary. And you look at what's going on in baseball, I mean, how could you not? And the fact that, <laughs> yeah. like, they can't, like, they, try, they got off the ground running, um, but they... Not for long. I for mean, like two you know, days, Mar- <laughs> three days. Yeah. <laughs> I think that it was a third game of that Marlins-Philly series where before the game, you know, these Marlins players test positive Idiots. or whatever. So they, they pull them out. 
Um, they don't play, but then, I mean, they don't play those guys, but the other, you know, the rest of the team plays and then it's found out that like, what, 17 or some I big think, yeah, number. I think they hit 18. We're recording this on uh, Friday as of Friday. I think the 18th guy got it today. So, I mean, it's just, you kind of just look at how the NFL is this huge like operation in yeah. terms of many players and coaches and assistants and front like just so many people involved in this and you just wonder <laughs> how is this thing that is not in a bubble just like baseball not in a bubble and you're kind of looking at the other bubble sports like the NBA and the NHL and they seem to be and I guess MLS too you could throw in there uh, and they seem to be you know doing more well with it so it's it's a pretty big concern I would say I would imagine the NFL has better protocols in place guys on a team voting on whether or not they should play. <laughs> Mm-hmm. which is essentially what happened with the Marlins, which is just crazy to me. But yeah, I mean, it's a huge concern that, you know, one team basically having the problems that the Mar- that the Marlins are having can really derail the entire season for everybody because you get all these scheduling problems. You know, it's not yep. as simple as just like, okay, well, this one team has it. No big deal. Well, what about the teams that got to play them? <laughs> right? So, or like, have played them, like yeah, the Phillies. Right. Like the Phillies yeah. have been shut down because of that. Yes. Yeah. And then and then any team that has to play the Phillies, they're shut down for however long they're scheduled to play the Phillies and so on. So it's a total nightmare if even one team gets it. Yep. It affects everybody. So, yep. uh, you know, NFL, you of course have, I mean, 53-man rosters during the season. You have 80-man rosters now. It's hard to imagine that there won't be some kind of major issues to get through. And probably multiple multiple major issues as the season progresses, and it'll be interesting to see how the NFL handles handles them as they come along. Yeah. So just the before we wrap up for, for our first segment here, Jimmy, just kind of wanted to uh, go over the fact that you know training camp did like officially begin this week. Everyone knows yeah. that, of course. That's why we're talking about it. But um, the schedule, you know, I posted that on bleedinggreennation.com. Just to be clear, because I, I don't think everyone necessarily like knew what the schedule was. Like the first couple of days were just testing. Like for at least the players who reported this week, obviously the rookies had reported last week, but you know, it's actually today, Friday, July 31st, that players are actually getting like their second round of COVID testing. So I guess we'll, within the next few days here, we should see if there are any more positive tests. I guess that would come out soon. Uh, So yeah, so that's the kind of, kind of where we're at with it. We're still, it's still very much like a slow ramp up period. We're still a couple of weeks away here from, again, that's like mid August, uh, like uh, August 17th. Yeah, well, potentially they'll, they'll the have, soonest. They'll have uh, practices without pads, just yes. shells and shorts. I think that be- that begins on is it the August twelfth? Yeah, and then uh, the padded practices begin. Is that the seventeenth? The seventeenth. We're allowed. In, are we allowed in on the twelfth? Is that the sense that you're getting? I don't think so. I don't. I don't think that was it. Based on what you had kind of sent me from from uh, Zach Berman, but um, so so you know, for pe- what people fans here listeners should care about is that you know training camp notes are still. At least in my view, kind of still a little bit away here. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, the shells and shorts practice is really not much the same as anyway. Although you know, I'd rather watch them than not. But yeah, it it's going to be a. I mean, it already is a very weird season, and uh, it's barely. It, I mean, training camp hasn't really hasn't really even begun yet. A lot of adventures along the way. One last roster move before we take the first break was that they waived uh, Deshaun Hall, uh, mm-hmm. who of course tore his ACL. Uh, on the final play of the regular season against the Giants because uh, Pat Shermer was... <laughs> Had to save his job. ...was trying to prolong his coaching career by a few minutes by calling timeouts at the end of that game. Uh, he tears his ACL, and unfortunate for him. But they waived him. Uh, he cleared waivers and thus reverted back to the team. Uh, usually that would be in, like, IR form, but I guess he mm-hmm. reverts back to the team on their reserve PUP list. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, some... Yeah, reserve PUP, yeah, right. Not My understanding on that, though, is he's still going to be gone when he gets healthy. Okay, yeah. I mean, he doesn't count for a roster spot. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, they've done that before. They've cut guys that, that have reverted. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, they did it with Alex, Alex McAllister back in the yep. day, I think. So, yeah, there is uh, some precedent for that. Uh, you know what there isn't precedent for, Brandon? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what possibly you could... What the answer is to the this question. level of service that you get from Roach Realtors. Wow. If you're trying to buy or sell a home. Kristen and Stephanie Roach of Roach Realtors, of Roach Realtors boast over 50 years of combined experience in the real estate sales. If you're looking to buy or rent a home or sell your home, 
Uh, they are dedicated to listening intently and matching individuals with families and individuals and families, excuse me, with the home and neighborhood that best fits their needs. They're expert negotiators who know the market trends and get you the best price possible. If you're looking to sell your home, they understand that buyers more than ever are doing the bulk of their searching for a new home online. It's extremely important that your listing pops off the screen, grabs the buyer's attention, and they employ professional photographers, including drone photography for those overhead shots. They're experts in interior and exterior design, can help stage your home, and uh, they, they, their home descriptions as written on these uh, search sites are incredible because they have my help on that writing. So <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm not kidding on that, but uh, I'm kidding about the, how they're so great because I help. Uh, anyway, check out Kristen and Stephanie's reviews on Zillow.com. You won't find a single bad review. Uh, literally have no four-star reviews. It's just five stars across the board. They work really hard for their customers. Do a great job for them. Call 856-906-9295. Again, 856-906-9295. You can text that too. Uh, that's Kristen Roach. Or you can just email me and I'll get you in contact with them. Jimmy at phillyvoice.com. Brandon. Odoyo rules back after this. <laughs> Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on BGN Radio, episode 130. Jimmy, what are we talking about next? There's so much here. We have to get through it. Well, we got through the roster news uh, on the Eagles side, but there was other roster news for other teams around the league with former Eagles players. So first of all, we'll go, uh, should we go, we'll go a big, big name first. So we'll go Shady McCoy who joined who, you know, 32 year old Shady McCoy, which is like 60 year olds and 60 year old and uh, running back years joined the uh, rapidly aging Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He joins Tom Brady and Gronk and, and the guys down there signed a veteran minimum deal for about a million bucks. Would you have done that if you were the Eagles? Veteran minimum for Shady? Uh, no. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> yeah, even from literally the minimum, I would, I would not have brought him back. Uh, this does beg the question: Does this make Devonta Freeman? You know, like, did the Eagles end up going that path because the Bucks were the other team? I think kind of linked to him, so that kind of takes another potential suitor for him off the market and kind of hurts his leverage in that way. And there was also that kind of tweet i think from adam schefter last week about how you know uh freeman had fired his agent and he replaced him with rosenhaus rosenhaus is also shady's agent interesting yeah so rosenhaus got shady to take a veteran minimum deal yes and the big hang up with freeman was that he was not mm -hmm. getting the kind of offers that he was looking for he was he thinks he's he, he thought he was you know more valuable than um, apparently the rest of the league does at this point. So mm-hmm. maybe Drew can uh, get hit. And Drew even uh, tweeted something out to that effect, like saying it, was, it wasn't worded like this, but it was reading through the lines. It was basically like, uh, if you're interested at all, we'll take less than what he was asking for before <laughs> for, for Devontae mm-hmm. Freeman. So, um, you know, maybe Devontae Freeman sees the shady deal. And uh, he realizes that he's not going to get the kind of money that he's looking for this offseason. And that number comes down substantially. Personally, if I'm the Eagles, I wouldn't pay Devontae Freeman much more than the veteran minimum either. I, I do think their running back situation is a little thin, you know, once you lose Miles Sanders. So I do think it's like worth exploring. Yeah. I know they have the young guys now and there's almost not a rush. Like there's not a rush to go out and get a veteran. But also, I mean, if Sanders goes down, you also want to make sure you can still like 
you you would probably need to sign someone at that point. So I just don't think you can just ride simply enough with what they have. Like you're not asking Boston Scott to kind of do the work that Miles Sanders was doing. Um, but there yeah, the Scott, other Scott's kind of like he's a nice. I'm sorry to cut you off. He's a, he's a good complimentary back. But I don't, and what well, you know, he did fill in for Sanders when he got hurt late in the season, and he did kind of carry mm-hmm. the load in that one Giants game where he was so good. But that, like, that's not. I don't feel like he's a that's sustainable also one game. Yeah, he's not a sustainable yeah. answer for for like a three or four game stretch in, in that way. Mm-hmm. So I think you do need. First of all, you need a guy that can sort of fill in and be that lead back if Sanders goes down. But also, I I think they kind of would like to have like a bigger back to sort of eat up fourth quarter carries in games that they have a nice lead. Uh, they used that guy a lot um, in 2017, obviously the year where they had those leads regularly in, in fourth quarters. Not so much recently. but uh, Well, Jordan Howard last year. Yeah, I mean, not so much recently in terms of like they haven't had to, you know, a lot of fourth quarter, you know, a lot of, a lot of like, mm-hmm. you know, nice fourth quarter leads. But, you know, it, on the expectation that they will – you know, they, they could use that guy to sort of eat those carries instead of piling more carries on, on for Sanders. And then Nigel Bradham also joining the NFC South, Jimmy, by yep. signing with the Saints, mm-hmm. a, joining Malcolm Jenkins down there yes. in New Orleans, which is, uh, I would say, not an ideal outcome from Eagles fans in the sense of like, basically, you're just hoping Malcolm Jenkins and Nigel Bradham, two guys who had a lot to do with the Eagles winning the Super Bowl mm-hmm. that year, you know, two key, key contributors and also like, you know, like locker room kind of like, uh, I don't know if Bradham's necessarily a leader, but he's like a rah-rah guy, you know, gets the guys fired up. Just kind of like fun to root for players too on the field. And now they're Schwartz on the enemy. always so- gassed up uh, Bradham for like bringing a lot of energy to the game itself on the field. Like yes. he got a lot of guys going in game. So maybe not necessarily locker room. But in terms mm-hmm. of like character guy, they liked the they liked his energy on the field on game day. Yeah, he brought it, and so it's just kind of a bummer now that you know you're an Eagles fan here. You're looking at the Saints, who are obviously detestable. The team I would really peg as like the Eagles' biggest non NFC East rival at this point. Yeah, them or, or the least, Seahawks, like, right? Hateable. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I would. I my argument would be the Seahawks just own them too much, but the Saints have also owned them, but. I think the the Saints have made it a little bit more personal too, with like the whole like the Eagles are frauds kind yeah. of thing, mm-hmm. and like when they were playing dreams and nightmares. <laughs> we, after. we we would have beat them if we didn't lose to somebody else. <laughs> yeah, and that garbage, and just Sean Payton kind of like Sean, like I don't think um, Pete Carroll's like a villain, you know, at least for the Eagles. Like, do like do Eagles, should the Eagles fans really like hate Pete Carroll? I don't like think so. Like, should you hate Sean Payton? Yeah, he's like smug. How could you not? He does um, laps around the the link whenever they beat the Eagles in Philly. In the, on the yeah. team bus. They do laps around the stadium. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so <laughs> obviously. Which I kind of like. That's that's kind of good, actually. Like you, well, if I mean. You, if you, I mean, if like, if the, like, if you're a fan and like you're, you're the head coach of your favorite team is doing that stuff on the road, you don't, don't, don't tell me you wouldn't eat that up. Oh, of course. But also you can hate <laughs> it when it's done against oh, your team. Oh, of course. Like, yeah, yeah, can, yeah. Of course. Yeah. So I it's think. It's a very villainy you know, thing to do. It, now it'd be good. It'd be good for the Eagles, you know, if Bradham is playing a lot and he's not, and he continues to kind of be, you know, not like obviously, um, he had one interception and zero force fumbles in the last thirty games. The Eagles, so his playmaking ability has gone down. But um, you know, so you, you kind of want to see former Eagles do well, but not when they're playing for like this jerk ass team that you have to play. He was like one of those guys during the Kelsey speech where like the thing that Kelsey said for them was absolutely true. Like, like yeah. the point of the Kelsey speech was like, you know, they said this about him, but it's not really the case. Well, I was like, not, I was like, Nigel Bradham can't catch. Well, he can't catch. Yeah. He's, <laughs> like, I think he's admitted clearly. that too. Yeah, yeah. He always did. But it was funny. Like a lot of the things that Kelsey said were actually still very true of the players that, you know, that, that had those criticisms, uh-huh. but he yeah. was like probably example number one of like, yeah, well he can't catch. Of course he can't. Yep. <laughs> we've, we've seen him play, but yeah, he was, he was a stud. In um, that 2017 season, you know, like that Panthers game, obviously, is the one that everyone kind of points to as, uh, you know, sort of his legendary game. Uh, But he fell off over the last two years. He just didn't look like the same player. I don't think he had the same kind of speed. I thought I thought it was kind of obvious that he that he wasn't the same player. So, um, yeah, I I don't fault them for for bringing him back. They had actually they didn't cut him necessarily earlier this offseason, but they uh, I guess they didn't. renew an option they didn't pick up his option 
he was scheduled to have like an eight million dollar salary, I think. And they saved, I guess, around four, four or five, five million, yeah, uh, to to let him go. So that was an obvious move to make. I thought maybe they might bring him back on some kind of really small deal, but obviously they didn't even want to do that for what he signed for in, in New Orleans. Jimmy, another former Eagles player has a new landing spot yeah. this weekend, <laughs> and this is the big one. Obviously, yeah. Wendell Smallwood. <laughs> Signs of the Steelers. Now, obviously, who cares in terms of the Steelers aspect of that? But although the Eagles do play the Steelers this year in week five, yeah. I believe, um, in Pittsburgh, if it, you know, the season holds through. But Jimmy, I mean, you know, props to Dave Zangaro here from NBC Philly for NBC Sports. Yeah, Philly, it's a good, it's a good pull by him. I mean, Wendell Smallwood is the Eagles leading rusher <laughs> in the Doug Peterson era with 850 yards. Yeah. Yeah. Not for do long. Do you know what the other, can you name the other top five? Did you see it? Well, okay, so no, I didn't see it. So Miles okay. Sanders is obviously there because he's got eight eighteen. He's number two. Uh non running back is number three. Oh, okay. So uh that would have to be Wentz then. Yes. Uh the next he, he, was, he, he was number three, you said? Yes. All right. So I'm thinking of guys who who were there for multiple years. Hmm. Well Jay no, Ajayi? not for number four. Not for number four. Jay Ajayi is One he year. number five? Uh Ajayi's not in the top five. Oh, all right. L G B? Yep. Okay. Garrett Blunt, fourth. And then this guy has been here definitely multiple years. Uh, Corey Clement? Nope. He is eighth, I believe. Oh, uh, I got a weird one. Ryan Matthews. He is sixth. Okay. This one's obvious. Oh, is it? Okay. This, one is, this one's like a very obvious player. Oh, Darren Sproles. Yep. Yeah. That's okay. your that's your top five. So your top five, again, Wendell Smallwood, Miles Sanders, Carson Wentz, Garrett Blunt, Darren Sproles. <laughs> In this same span, Jimmy, <laughs> Zeke Elliott. Yeah. Has like five thousand four hundred <laughs> yards now. Now part of this, what I'm about to say, I get is like a difference in philosophy. The Eagles like to rotate their running backs, yeah, and the Cowboys like to rely on the run too much, definitely. But like just to me, when you and also not even accounting for the wide receiver situation, which is a big deal. But when you look at like Carson Wentz's top running backs here, because obviously he's been the, the quarterback in the mm-hmm. same time, and you look at like what Zeke you know can bring and what Dak has, like that's just. I just think it's interesting how that doesn't get like brought up. It does. Like you're right. That doesn't get brought up a, a whole lot. And that's I huge. Mean, when when like, people talk about huge. like the, the difference between Dak and Carson Wentz, it's always like on the receivers. Like he's got Amari Cooper and he's got Gallup, and now, well, I mean, now he has. Uh, um, oh man, how, 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 how am I not? CD Lamb. CD Lamb. Um, but even before that, you know, uh, he had Dez when Dez was still okay, like at the beginning of his career, beginning of Dak, Dak's career. That is. Um, and like they, you compare like these receivers that Dak had to Carson Wentz's receiver, but you're absolutely right. Like it, teams are like teams are game planning to take away Dak the same way they are game. Like every year, we hear Jim Schwartz that first and foremost we got to stop Zeke. Yep. Like, and a lot of people play them that way. So like you, you like what will never be said about or what has never been said about the Eagles over the last four years is we got to stop fill in whoever their running back was heading into that game. Wendell Smallwood. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I just think that's crazy. I just think like that Dak has had this advantage. Just think about it. It's like, okay, Dak's not having his best day. Like You can kind of even feel it out early in the game, yes. in theory. It's like, okay, well, no pressure. Just hand it off to this monster running back we have. <laughs> yes. Or, you know, it's like, hey, instead of third and ten that we're facing all the time because our pass game and our where running backs can't help us out and the wide receivers aren't any good, you know, it's always like third and one, third yeah. and two for them because yeah. Zeke can, is, is, Zeke's like never losing yards. He always even like, falls forward is the one thing. He's getting at least like three on yes. the carry. It really is. Yes. Like even his worst run because he'll just, you know, yeah, like you said, he'll fall forward. So I just think that's a huge deal. Like, it doesn't get brought up. It's crazy to me. Uh, I don't think he's. I mean, not to get on a sidetrack here. I don't think he's the same guy that he was when he was a rookie. Like he was. I agree with that. He was. He was legit explosive. In, you know, his first year in the, in the league, and you know, and he should year. have won rookie of the year, by the way, and not Dak. That's yes, insane. for sure. He's not that guy anymore. So he doesn't have that same explosion that he doesn't. He's only been in the league for four years because he has like so many touches. But uh, you know, like like you said, he still is. You know, obviously, very. He's a top five back in the NFL for now. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but he's, a, he's huge. Like he's a big guy and he's hard to tackle and he's always, you know, managing to get another yard or two after, you know, the contact that brings him down. So I think Sanders obviously can kind of be, you know, somewhat closer or at least will obviously come to the closest thing. Dak yes. Or Wentz has had to that. It's not the same profile of player. It's not the same situation, but that Carson can have this Miles Sanders, I think will benefit him greatly. And speaking of Miles Sanders, Jimmy. Do you want to get into this already? Are you ready? Are you ready for this? Because Deuce Daly 
I'm kind of jumping ahead here. Yeah. Um, but Deuce Staley uh, had talked about the, the Eagles, you know, coaches, assistant coaches talked on Friday. And Deuce Staley basically said that there is no reason to really limit Miles Sanders' workload, which I thought was interesting because in the past, the Eagles haven't really had that dominant running back. And obviously, Sanders profiles to be that guy, but he basically admitted it. And, uh, you know, he said just, and he explained why too, kind of going on. Uh, you kind of talked about earlier, Jimmy, with the Eagles kind of potentially needing, or they could use that guy you could, who could kind of salt away the game clock late mm-hmm. in the game, kind of you know run between the tackles and kind of take on that physicality. Like a, a big reason why they feel like Sanders can handle a workload, uh, a big one, is like they don't have to monitor his touches. And the exact quote Deuce said was, "You quote you put him in and you let him go." Um, is because they feel like he can avoid tackles. Like he's a guy who can make people miss. He's not going to take a lot of contact as someone or some of these other running backs would. I think he's actually bigger and uh, a tougher runner than than he gets credit for too. I mean, his, like the explosiveness that he has is, is obvious, and um, you know that he became a a good pass catcher uh, and a down the field pass catcher as a rookie. And that kind of caught people's eyes as well. But I think he actually he's got some highlight reel runs where he's just trucking dudes. So like he, it's not like he's just some like light in the pants running back who like you breathe on him and he goes down. Like no, he'll break tackles and he can run between the tackles. He's not just like an outside runner or a guy who's gonna like be a home run threat. He can kind of do everything. I think. And it's not like the Eagles really necessarily wanted to always have this running back by committee approach. I think you know Doug especially has always really wanted to have a three down guy because mm-hmm. you don't know for sure. Like I think like. Doug Doug would prefer a guy that, you know, can kind of do – I mean, like every coach would. He wants a guy that can do everything so that you're not bringing in, you know, this back for this situation and this back for that situation. And it kind of maybe tips off the defense as to what they're going to do. What I think Doug did was uh, uh, in the past, like he wouldn't he wouldn't necessarily just run plays because it's certain – like if they brought in LeGarrette Blunt, it didn't auto- automatically mean that it was a run. It was going to be a run between the tackles. Like they did a lot of – you know, creative stuff with, you know, play action and that kind of thing. They, they tried to uh, sort of offset like the, their tendencies in that way. But, you know, if given the choice, certainly Doug would rather have a three down back. And he's talked about that at several different points during during his coaching tenure. Like I know they really liked uh, Joe Mixon uh, during the mm-hmm. 2017 draft, I guess it would have been. I don't know why they would have been surprised by this. <laughs> like I thought they took uh, Cindy, I thought Cindy Jones went earlier than he should have gone. Uh, during that draft, but I think they were surprised that he was still there. Otherwise, I think that pick uh, would have been Mixon that year. Uh, mm. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's something that they they wanted to have for a long time, and now I think they do have it in Sanders. And, um, you know, they think that, like, Sanders isn't fully, you know, there yet. Like, they, they think that he can still improve quite a bit, which is, um, you know, sort of intriguing, obviously, for Eagles fans because he's already really good. And by the way, like, I think as far as... Um, you know, him being able to carry the load. He had 229 touches last year. And like, that's the most that he's had by far since he was in high school. Like in college, it's his three years in college, he had 308 total touches. So barely over a hundred per year. He's got a lot of tread left on those tires. The odometer is pretty low. You compare that to a guy like we mentioned Zeke already a number of times during this podcast. He's got over 500, he's got over 5,000 yards in four years, but he's also averaging like well over 300 touches a year. So like, you know, where Sanders is, uh, is, is, you know, he's got a, he's got a very low odometer and I think they don't really have to worry about him so much, uh, giving him a second contract if, if he earns it by, you know, over the next three years. Yeah. And he played at 21 last year. So just going into your upside point, still very young, works really hard. I think very much uh, bright future in store for Mr. Miles Sanders to me. Why don't we get back into the rest of this coaching stuff on the other side of this break here. But let me tell you, James, sit right there Why I tell you that BGN Radio is brought to you by who? That's right. Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Meat snacks that fuel your Philadelphia Eagles. Righteous Felon Jerky and Snack Steaks are served at the Eagles Novacare Complex Fueling Station where players get their pre- and post-workout protein fix. If it's good enough for the Eagles, it's obviously Got to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is local because they're based in Westchester, PA. They use locally sourced, all-natural black Angus beef, and they're committed to elevating the meat snacks category with superior quality 
creative branding. You can try all the flavors. You know, there's OG Hickory, there's Victoria's B.I.G., there's Baby Blue's Barbecue, the Maryland Monroe, which I always say I like. I would recommend trying that one. A lot of good choices there. You can go to righttosellin.com and use the discount code BGN15 at checkout. That's righttosellin.com and discount code BGN15 at checkout to get 15% off when you order $50 or more. It's a good value. There's no limit on how many times you can use that discount code, by the way. So if you already gotten some, you could do it again. Uh, makes for a good gift for people if you don't want to just get it for yourself. So make like your favorite team and load up on those same meat snacks that the Philadelphia Eagles do. Jimmy. Victoria, Victoria's Big I, if I can throw my own two cents here, Victoria's B.I.G. is actually, I, I had that. It's mm-hmm. like, uh, I don't know, if I, did I mention Victoria's B.O.G. before? B.I.G.? You did. It's this. It's the stout one. It's not named after me, by the way. I know that's confusing. Like, B.I.G., not B.L.G. B-L-G. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's got like a, it's got like, it's like peppery and sweet and it's got yes. like that, uh, that stout taste to it. Like, you know, yes. like stout here. Uh, so that would be my pick for the week would be Victoria's B.I.G. If you do place an order. Jimmy? Brandon, back after this. <laughs> back here for the final segment on BGN Radio. And because I'm an, an idiot, basically, I forgot to mention Righteous Felon at the top already. So I'll just say again, Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Uh, same meat snacks that the Eagles eat. Go to RighteousHelm.com, discount code BGN15, 15% off. Do it. Uh, Jimmy, we're going to talk about the coaching staff, our takeaways from them on the final segment here at BGN Radio. Uh, so, again, setting the scene here, and also the players, too. We yeah, heard from we had Wentz, uh, rookies. We heard from Carson Wentz. Yeah. We heard from five assistant coaches. Where do you want to start here? I didn't have I, I didn't even listen, I didn't even listen in on um, Davion Taylor and uh, Kayvon mm-hmm. Wallace because – I can. What, I can what broke right? Oh, this. it was Lane, Lane, and uh, Gary and Mylata going on the COVID list. Broke like fifteen mm-hmm. minutes before that, so I was like, "All right, you know, I got to write this." I couldn't listen in. And uh, there was Rager and uh, Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. His big message is that he's working hard and trying to get better. Uh, <laughs> which, I just want to say, which that he I answered think for Jalen like Hurts. every question. <laughs> <laughs> is he's he's just focused on improving like he's lit- like that is the only thing he is focused on yes <laughs> yeah if i'm gonna go uh boring qb uh interview rankings he's uh he's pretty near the bottom <laughs> uh rager yeah. was okay um yeah uh and like i said he gave I- us some good information in that he said he's learning x and z which yeah, is different than doug so, peterson said. it's so weird because doug said you know he's just going to focus in on the z position i will say like the way that question was phrased to him it was a little awkward because yeah but there was two times this was asked did you realize that? oh like, i didn't see he brought I didn't it up it. twice okay yeah i don't think that was only once like he definitely brought that up uh twice okay i don't think that was just an accident yeah because the first time they the question the way the question was posed was you know uh, Doug said you're going to learn behind Deshaun at the X position. Mm-hmm. And boy, you should have said the Z position. And then Jalen started answering, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm learning the X position. And I'm thinking, is he just saying that because the reporter said X? Like, <laughs> so, uh, but if he mm-hmm. answered it twice, then yeah. all right. But he yeah, said... it's, it's weird because it's totally contradictory to what Doug said. Like, um, I mean, how, how long ago was that? A couple weeks? If that. Yeah, it was like mid-June. Yeah, I think it kind of makes sense, though. If And you had actually asked about Jimmy Jalen Rager and his – because he's really good at contested catches, everyone's yes. favorite buzzword when it comes to Eagles wide receivers at TCU. So, like, maybe the Eagles kind of see that, and they kind of think he kind of, like, plays bigger than his size, and he kind of can handle that X role, especially in the vein of, like, they just want to find a way to get him on the field. And why not have Jalen Rager – and Deshaun Jackson on the field at the same time, if you can do that, and it's effective. He's a strong kid, so like the, one of the uh, he does uh, five hundred pushups a day. Yeah, you know that Did Bruce, Bruce Feldman, that? the uh, the college football writer for the Athletic. Yeah, but, the like, Athletic Freaks. Guy yeah, every year he puts he out that Freaks list, and, and Rager was on it. Uh, that's mm-hmm. how he. That's how he first got on my radar. Was he was pretty high up on that list. And then I watched, uh, I watched a little bit of him. I was like, wow, that guy, that guy's fast. Like <laughs> that guy can, uh, that guy can run. But uh, he also like I don't have the like what what in front of I don't have it in front of me like what what um, uh, Feldman said about him. But his squat numbers were ridiculous, and his mm-hmm. his and I think he was in like the he was over the 80th percentile on bench reps at the combine. Um, so he's a strong guy. So yeah, it, it does sort of um, uh, make sense that he could play the exposition because he's going to be able to get off jams, and like you said, he's going to be able to fight for the football. Like I guess. Uh, 
the stat that I referenced to him was he had more contested catches than any of the other receivers that were taken in the first round. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the next closest guy had like seven or eight fewer than him. And this is this is just looking at the I, th- I think it was, was it over their career. I don't remember. I don't now. remember. Yeah. I mean, it was my question. I should know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it was over their career. So he didn't have like a ton of catches over his career. So for him to have that many contested catches is both impressive and maybe a little alarming because you'd think in college, you know, it's easier to get separation. So you don't want to have too many of those contested catch situations. But I think it's probably in his case, it's probably more about, you know, the crappy quarterback play that he had at TCU there that pretty much everyone referenced ever like that TCU quarterback that this nameless TCU quarterback just got absolutely destroyed over draft weekend. Like he took more shots than, uh, than anyone I've ever, like I had to look him up to see just what his, what his name was. And actually it was a bunch of different guys that, that played quarterback with Rager over his career there, but people were just crapping all over the TCU quarterbacks over and over again. Uh, you know, from like the minute that he got picked. So Davion Taylor, just the quick thing on him is he kind of admitted he knows, you know, like he's raw, um, but he, he feels like he has a lot of upside. I just, I, every time I hear Davion Taylor talk, I just, I'm encouraged by him. He just, he has like a really good energy and enthusiasm and like in a natural way, not like a fake kind right, of way to right. me. Just like, he seems like genuinely eager to learn and like get better. And I think that's something the Eagles probably saw in the pre-draft process and feel like, okay, this guy is raw, but like we kind of know he wants to get better and they're going to bet on the upside. So I like that. Um, and then Kayvon Wallace didn't really get a ton out of him. He gave like long answers, but I don't know that he said a whole uh, much that was incredibly revealing. One of the interesting things that Kayvon said to me, like that stuck out in my mind was he said like, he's motivated by his family slash friends first, but then he named like his fans second, like, like uh, social media specifically. And I was like, <laughs> that's interesting to me. Like, I mean, that's, that's what younger guys are going to be saying more and more, I think. And, and he is obviously involved a lot on that front. He's active <laughs> on Twitter. Yeah. Kayvon Wallace, interesting, just interesting guy. He got the Eagles tattoo on his back, like not that long after he was drafted. So, uh, well, there's a bad precedent for that in terms of Eagles draft picks because Danelle Humphrey got, got a, I think he got an NFL tattoo. Hmm. Well, yeah, but that's too generic. And then he, and then he, <laughs> but he never actually even played a game in the in the in said NFL. Hmm. That is true. <laughs> Maybe he can get an XFL tattoo. Um, <laughs> That was me. Um, uh, getting to the uh, oh Wentz, Mister Wentz, Carson yeah, Wentz. Okay. Yes, yeah. He got asked about that top one hundred list, which uh, I thought Carson was good. I thought he, uh, I thought he was, he did well. He seemed like he was loose too. Seemed like he was having fun. He was mentioning reporters by name. He was laughing a little bit. I thought, I thought it was a good Carson session. And obviously, Carson doesn't really say much ever. I thought he kind of gave like some decent insight. <laughs> you know why for, he was asking? You know why he was referencing reporters by name? Why? Because Brett would go, okay, now it's, uh, we'll go Jimmy and then Dave. So he would uh-huh. hear the name, like, he doesn't know our names, <laughs> like, in a regular uh, press conference. He might know some of us, but. <laughs> I think he knew some of the ones he was saying. Well, obviously, Howard, he called him genius and made fun of his beard. Um, but it's easy, it's easy to use, uh, it's easy to use, you know, people's names when they're told to you right before they're about to ask a question. Yeah, I get that, but still. Um, <laughs> I know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just playing. He, he um big things from Carson was that you know uh I wrote it down here in the notes as Wensy McBeef because we used to say Guardy McBeef here for uh guard the guard position that's a, a Matt Daring throwback shout okay. out to oh well hmm, back in the day uh, when he was on BGN Radio and uh, so Wentz is looking bulked up he talked about how this is the first off season he's had really that he's not coming off an of injury since really what going into 2017 right the MVP year so uh, I guess that's encouraging. Um, what yeah, else? I mean, he had the ACL uh, during the 2018 off season, and then he had the broken back, <laughs> you know, last off season. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. He said he didn't like he didn't he, he would have you know hit the weight room harder than than he than you know he did in the past. Like last year, uh, he came in looking a lot smaller than I think uh, or leaner or whatever you want to call it. Lean, lean, because uh, he changed his diet. And then this year you see him and pretty much immediately everyone's like, he looks bigger. And mm-hmm. uh, he actually, <laughs> you know, like you mentioned, he was good in terms of, you know, just laid back and joking around and stuff. He, he said, thank you, by the way, everyone, for uh, for the compliments on that. Yeah, he did. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, it'll be fun to sort of monitor 
uh, the changes <laughs> each year to Carson Wentz's body and get a get a cheap story out of that. He brought up the fumbles thing, which I thought is just good awareness. You know, good for yeah, him to Zach say. Yeah, Zach asked that question. He said, uh-huh. uh, you know, what what are you working on this offseason? And, um, yeah, he the, the thing that he criticized himself on was the fumbles. And that was something that, you know, one of uh, our listeners asked during the Q&A session was – you know what? What what's the one thing that Wentz really can, or do you think he's going to improve on in 2020? And what's the thing that he needs to improve on in 2020? And uh, you answered fumbles, and uh, yeah. I, I had the same answer written down. So that's good that he. That, I mean, it was on his mind last year. You got asked about it all mm-hmm. year, but uh, it's good that he. But for him to say it, it's a problem. He knows it's a problem. Yeah, good to hear. And then also the NFL top 100 thing. Guess we have to get into that, do we? Um, he did get asked about it. He did, and he seemed aware of it, uh, of course. And he said, you know, not going to lose sleep over it, you know, not uh, really worried about it. But he did say you could use, like, any little thing as extra motivation. And, I mean, come on. The list is just – it's <laughs> stupid. You've talked about how it's a stupid process, and I guess you can kind of revisit that. I just want to say that, you know, like, you have Josh Allen at 86 or whatever, and Carson Wentz doesn't make it. And you also have like Todd Gurley at 51 or something. Like it's just, it's obviously just like a joke of a list. It's, it's so, out players There was another field. quarterback at 40 something. Was it, was that Tannehill? I know uh, Tannehill was, was like on 40 something. Okay. Tannehill was somewhere, uh, he was above, uh, uh, probably below Dak, but obviously still above Carson. And Mitchell Trubisky was like 61. I don't think that was. I'm true. kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> someone might believe it. Based on how ridiculous the list I think is. all that yeah. takes is so is like for Mitchell Trubisky to put himself one on his list and he's going to make it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding on that, of course. But yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's it's how many quarterbacks did make it? Do we know that? Do I think it was like answer? twelve or thirteen in total because I counted them. Yeah, it's around there. True or so, false? If the NFL redrafted the entire league, Carson Wentz would go top ten. I don't think it's unanimous. Like I know you feel this way. I feel it's I absolutely would, unanimous. You go top ten. I, I mean, from people, like, you're unanimous the, to no, yourself. No, no. If the NFL redrafted the entire league, oh okay, factoring in, you know, long, you know, you're drafting a team for uh-huh. long term, not yes. just for one season. Is he mm-hmm. going top ten? He should. Yeah, I think he, I think he's got a shot of going top five. But yeah, I think he almost certainly would go top ten. I think there's always been kind of a weird thing around Carson Wentz. And this is something I wrote about like early in the 2017 season. It's always felt to me like he's had to prove it more than other people. Like, like for example, I'm looking at this quarterback tears post that um, I think is worth a read on The Athletic from Mike Sando. He does it every year. Yeah. And, like Deshaun Watson was like fifth on there. Like, and Deshaun, and meanwhile, like Carson's 11th or whatever. And it's like, really? Like... There's a big, there's that big of a gap. Like people think, like why did, like I felt like the way Deshaun Watson came in, like he was just instantly accepted as like the next best thing. Like great. Whereas like Carson Wentz was like, nope, still not real. Blah, blah, blah. Like I feel like Carson Wentz has always had to prove it more. And I think part of that is because the Eagles traded up for him. And there was also just like. He went to North also, Dakota like, State. Went to North Dakota State. And there was also a big um kind of seemed like, yeah, a lot of skepticism going into him before the draft. I remember everyone talked about how. Like Goff and Wentz weren't as good as Mariota and Winston, and that was like an accepted fact fact at the time. Mm-hmm. I just feel like there's always been this kind of like bias against Carson Wentz, and I feel like it's kind of uh, ignited the fans, and I and understandably so to kind of be maybe sometimes even like aggressively pro Carson Wentz, and it's kind of become this. He's become like super polarizing. It's like you're either all in on him, and and I feel like even I kind of skew towards that side because I feel like. The criticisms of him get so ridiculous, and I also think like blaming the team's lack of success for whatever you know measure you want to hold them to uh, recently like does not start with him to me. Like that's not the starting point. Like when you're you, if you want to identify him as the biggest issue of the team, like that's just laughable. Yeah, you don't know what you're talking like, about. Yes, his supporting cast, and like you're just you're glossing over that or ignoring that, or you want to say like Dak is better, and you're ignoring like all those very big issues. Like I, I don't know. I just think there's a whole. I think it's weird. I, I, the player activity doesn't mean everything, um, but it does show that players like don't feel like you know like it's just not such an obvious thing to them that he's this top guy. And is that worth much? I don't know, but uh, it's weird too. I mean, just a couple of years ago he was third overall, and now two years later he's not even a top hundred player. <laughs> right. Like, right. okay, yeah, he's not above criticism, but at the same time, a lot of the criticism for him is is over the top. I mean, you know, we mentioned the fumbles earlier. It's certainly very fair to bring up all the injuries he's had. 
But you know, beyond that, I don't think there's really much to gripe about him uh, in terms of him as a player or a person. And then, then just to add on a Nick Foles thing too, like my my point with Carson and Nick Foles in terms of pressure faced was always that like there was no, no there was nothing like against Nick Foles if he messed up, you know, he had nothing to lose. <laughs> right. Like if he sucked, people would just be like, oh, he's a backup. Who cares? But <laughs> right. like if Carson isn't literally perfect, then the world is ending. Like the standards <laughs> right. are incredibly different. Like it's just not even, it's not fair. Like, and that's the NFL. That's part of the business. It's not everything in life is fair, but I'm just, I want to acknowledge that like the situations aren't identical at all. It's like the bar is so much higher for Carson Wentz to clear. Yeah. And imagine like what the criticism of him would have been had they lost any of those final four games last year didn't make the playoffs sure like i mean he'd be getting roasted you know what i mean like it'd be really yeah. bad uh so i'm on I'm, I'm with you there i think the, the criticism can be a little over the top at times again not immune to it but yeah i think that uh people get a little carried away but in short, certainly he's you know he's a top 100 player obviously uh i would have him looking long term i would take uh mahomes wilson lamar jackson and then for me, it'd be a toss-up between uh, Watson and Wentz. Yeah, I think Watson and Wentz are in the same tier. To me, to, to me, to see them so far apart in that list was weird. Um, Did, were there any kinda, surprises for the other quarterbacks on that Sando article? Um, There's one off for the me. Top of my head. Okay, what do you got? Big Ben at eight. Like really? People still really like Big Ben? It's hard to project coming off the injury. <laughs> but like, I mean, was, was, was he even like you know? Was he anything prior to his injury lately? I don't think he's. Ever had a losing season? Yeah. Well, they didn't have a losing I can't season tell you. without him last year, though, either. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. yeah, I can't tell you I've seen the Steelers enough, really, and him play, like, recently to, to even really, like, give you a super informed I guess uh, on that. I'm looking at his numbers now. I mean, he had he had over 5,000 passing yards last year. Not last year, 2018. Um, Jimmy, we don't have time for but... <laughs> We got to finish. We got to finish. But he, he had 675 pass attempts. Oh, my God. That is crazy. Anyway. Uh, that was that was the big surprise for me was was his inclusion that high on that list. It was 0-2 uh, last year, by the way. He played two games, lost them both. Rounding out uh, what we heard from the coaches, just kind of want to speed through this here. Um, Dave Phipp, Eagles special teams coordinator, he wouldn't commit to like a returner. I still think Rager's going to be that guy in punts, but we'll see. Um, he really talked up Corey Clement and Duke Riley, who uh, I think that's kind of. I already have them on my 53 man roster, but just in case you thought those guys weren't going to make the team or you're kind of even not sure who they are. I think they're going to be on the team. He also briefly talked about like two punt returners on the field at once. I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, anything else from Fit? No, that was pretty boring. Man. I, I mean, he, he kind of acknowledged, I mean, he said uh, Sanders won't be on kick returns. That's an obvious one. And then yeah. last year he said that Deshaun would, you know, very likely get some punt return opportunities, you know, more than likely in like those high leverage type situations. Uh, and he, sort of backed off that that one this year so like and that's probably the smart uh decision for you know the eagles as a team to not have him back there especially if rager comes in and proves that he can do it uh you don't want to have Deshaun back there at all because you can't risk him getting injured on some punt return eagles offensive line coach jeff stoutland uh is one to gas up his players as a lot of assistant coaches are or gases them up as some would say (laughs) He said the entire offensive line room trusts Jason Peters, I guess is factored into why they feel like they can move him to right guard because they feel like he can do anything. Um, Andre Dillard got stronger. He did say that, and that's something they specifically wanted him to do. So that's good to hear. We had previously heard that. Was pretty honest about Jordan Mailata and that like still kind of unsure of what he is. But um, yeah, not too much more than that. Uh, Matt Pryor, he said, has made a big jump. And he specifically compared him to being like, a uh, trusting him in the way or viewing him as a starter in the way that he viewed uh, Halapua Vati Vaitai as a starter last year. They view him as a starter so much that they replaced him with a 38-year-old <laughs> left tackle. So I wonder, though, if that kind of means he's the top backup at every spot except center, because Big V basically was. Yeah, uh, that's a good question. Well, he wouldn't be a left tackle. I mean, he'd be the first guy in the game. If the left tackle went down, because JP uh-huh. would move the left tackle and then he'd move in to right guard, I would think. Right. Uh, left guard, he hasn't played there since he's been in the NFL. So, like, they've always used him at right guard and right tackle during training camp. So, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's an easy trend. Like, they, you know how he said, like, they think that Jason Peters can just do anything. 
with mm-hmm. Matt Pryor, I don't think it's as easy as just moving <laughs> him from right side to left side and uh, kind of having the you know the mirror image body uh, movement. So I don't think he would be the. I think it'd probably be Driscoll at left guard, maybe. Hmm. Uh, but every yeah, but center it wouldn't be him. But yeah, left tackle, right guard, right tackle. Anyone goes down, he's probably the first guy in. I don't think Press Taylor said much. Uh, no. Didn't get a ton out of him. Just had kind of mentioned that Jalen Hurts' great work ethic. Okay, minor uh, touched on Deuce. From, uh, Mike Grow on the uh, interview front, but not by much. Yeah, it wasn't hostile at least. <laughs> yeah. um, Deuce Daly kind of touched on him earlier. I like how he called uh, Boston Scott little big man. That's what they call him. <laughs> okay, uh, I call him Juice Lord. Highlight of the season last year was him uh, making fun of Boston Scott's spin move against the Giants. The spin move. Yeah. Uh, also says a lot about the Eagles 2019 season. <laughs> well, not the highlight, a highlight. Well, you, you could have had, you could have been right. Um, he praised both Andre, uh, Adrian Killens and Mike Warren was asked about both of them, kind of talked them up a lot. Didn't mention, uh, Elijah Holyfield, I don't think. Um, but also wasn't asked about him. Uh, and then the big one here, the final thing is Jim Schwartz, Jimbo, as we refer to him on BGN radio or really kiss and soul act do at least, Acknowledged that Darius Slay basically will be falling cornerbacks. Didn't say to what extent and how often, but he did say it'll happen more than ever, which is not really what the Eagles have done so much in the past. Yeah, they said it won't be 100% of the time uh, where he trails the uh, follows the uh, opposing offense's best receiver. And a lot goes into that because he. So I remember watching all of uh, Slay's snaps during the uh, uh, 2019 season. And it was obvious when they were playing man or zone, depending on where he lined up. Like, if he lined mm-hmm. up on the guy that he was following, then they were in man. And if he lined up anywhere else, they were playing zone. Like, it was it was easy for opposing quarterbacks to just pick them apart that way. So you got to be able to sort of um, have guys that are, quote-unquote, he didn't use this word, but this is where they're going with that, quote-unquote, positionless uh, defensive back that they're trying to load up on in the secondary because they want them to be able to play everywhere. So so how that applies to Slay following the opposing team's uh, best receiver is he can follow the receiver, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're playing man on that particular play. Like, he can still just follow him wherever he goes, And but you, what you do need to have in that circumstance is, like, say, say like, Slay, uh, the say, like, the, the receiver that Slay is following lines up in the slot, and Slay is that right there with him. Well, now the slot guy is playing on the outside, He's got to be able to play on the outside, too. So they, they need all their sort of uh, defensive backs to be able to play everywhere. That's why they like their safeties to have that cornerback experience. And that's kind of why you see, like, Avante Maddox maybe playing on the outside this year. So uh, for that to, you know, for, for him to be able to follow the opposing receiver, they got to get squared away on that. And he said it is something that they'll work on uh, during training camp. Jim Schwartz also mentioned that Jalen Mills brings an edge to the defense and he feels like the transition to safety will be easier because Mills already has experience playing the position. And also because he already knows the Eagles defense, it's not like they're bringing him in, um, you know, as a, a totally new player. That was part of the reasoning he gave. He also mentioned, um, could see three defensive tackles on the field at once. Um, he said he specifically used those kind of looks with the lions before, and he also mentioned they have uh, to. Malik. Who's the D? Who's the DE for? Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> like, what, do you, what do you mean? Who's their fourth defensive end? And well, yeah. He also on that note, he did say um, Malik can play defensive end. Yeah. And then he also added they added a lot of speed at linebacker, which should be known. That's not like a secret, but he said that was definitely an emphasis. You look at Jatavis Brown, you look at Davion Taylor, you look at Sean Bradley. These are all guys who tested out like very fast. That's something as Howie's mentioned in the past too, not only adding the speed at wide receiver and offense, but also adding speed on defense. So uh, that was a, a mindset that they had. Anything else from Schwartz? No, that was basically it. I mean, the one, the one thing that I wanted to hear, get from him was, um, you know, whether Slay would be following guys or not. Because he's never done, I mean, he hasn't really done it here. So uh, mm-hmm. it will be it will be a, a sort of a change from his philosophy if if they do utilize him that way uh, a lot, mm-hmm. and I think they will. I think they'll they'll end up sort of landing on that because I mean they, they just got you look at like the the number one receivers last year that just torched them. I mean, they gave up hundred yard games to like ten or eleven different guys last year. Mm-hmm. So they got to put an end to that, and one way to do that is to just put you know. A, a top five to top 10 type of cornerback on them that they never have really had before. Do you have any final thoughts, Jimmy? Uh, no, uh, I don't think so. Just, uh, I'm glad that you watch Billy Madison. 
And uh, like I said, we'll uh, we'll circle back and we'll uh, we'll ask you some more questions on that after you watch it another two or three times before we record again. I think the listeners are dying for that. Um, <laughs> maybe we can review some movies if there isn't a season. We'll see. I just want to thank everyone for listening to this episode. BGN Radio, BGN Radio 130, presented by Righteous Felon Craft Turkey. Don't forget to use discount code BGN15 at checkout to get 15% off when you order $50 or more. Make sure you also check out the other podcasts we have here on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. You can check out uh, Seamus's from the Bleachers podcast where he kind of talks about the identity. He's like having identity crisis, you know, because there might not be a season. Um, and obviously he wants to be everyone safe. So he's kind of in a weird spot. Like many people, like everyone probably is who's listening to this. Um, the Kiss and Solak show, obviously. Kiss had uh, Takeo Spikes on, Jimmy, to oh, talk about the Eagles right. linebacker position. I thought he gave some good insight. You should check out that podcast. It's a shorter one if you haven't already. So uh, Kiss has been getting a lot of other guests. Get Brandon Thorne on and talk about the, both the Eagles offensive line and defensive line. So a lot of good guests coming up here. Hope to have some more, some more fun things coming down the pipeline. So make sure you subscribe, rate, review, download all those good things. And if you do that, you'll hear us next time when we're back on BGN radio until then. Goodbye, everybody. BGN.